Hi and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Out Loud. I'm Riyaz Safi. Remember to press the subscribe button on your YouTube channel, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In this way, you will not miss a new episode when uploaded. Over the last few episodes in Season 2, we spoke about health and covered topics such as sleep, diet, exercise and breathing. In today's episode, we speak about your finances and touch on Bitcoin and all money matters. Should you buy a Bitcoin? What are the pros and cons? My guest today is a master of all trades in that he's worked as a stuntman in movies. Yes, went on to become financial advisor, believe it or not, an entrepreneur and he's also launched Africa's first free money school, Money Talks with Nabil. Hi, Nabil Khan, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. Thank you very much for the welcome, Riaz. The list goes on. <laughs> it certainly does. So, Nabil, for people that have not heard about you, and I'm sure everyone has, but who is Nabil Khan? I'm just a person, man, Riaz. You know, how amazing is it that on a podcast platform we can talk about anything and try our best to empower, educate serve our community and just have a good old chat and catch up, you know, uh, uh, who's Nabil Khan? I'm just another person just doing what I am happy doing, you know, and as those transitions of life happen, uh, as long as I'm having fun along the way and tick a couple of other boxes, isn't that really the purpose of life, right? To yes, live on your own terms. <laughs> Yes, it is. But I mean, you're being modest about this. Come on. You've been a stuntman and acted in the film industry. You've done finance. You've then been an entrepreneur. And now you're starting off your, you've started off your own channel that's been going very successfully as well. Money Talks with Nabil Khan. So tell us, let's start from the beginning. How did it all begin for you when you got into the film industry? You know, modesty or, or, or the opposite of that. Um, what does it serve, you know, especially you feed our ego, but, you know, and, and many view, people view ego as a, as a negative thing, right? But it's part of who we are. And it's kind of this, uh, anyway, we won't go down there, but w- where did it all start? It's pretty much a one plus one series of events, right? Um, standard grew up uh, in a Muslim household, right? The standard, uh, you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, accountant. <laughs> um, and, and like our communities, right, we are, and, and this is a cultural thing across many cultures, actually, you know, we all want what's best for our children. And Alhamdulillah, you know, we grew up, uh, I'm a triplet, and we are four boys in total. And Alhamdulillah, you know, we grew up feeling, feeling amazing. It felt normal. And you look back as a father these days, you know, you forgot that in the titles. And you realize what our parents went through. And meanwhile, here is this guy, Nabil, causing uh, disruption from day one. <laughs> this disruption it is indeed. So what are some of the highlights while you were involved in the film industry? Are you still involved? Yeah, I am actually. And there's something coming up that, uh, I mean, if I were to say it out loud, which I won't, would be the first time I'm actually referring to something in the film industry, what I'm doing right now. But essentially, you know, the highlights, how cool is it? Uh, stuntman worked on multiple productions, international, uh, Hollywood, your Bollywood, um, local as well, um, worked with your 
Idris Elba's Marissa Tomai's, you know, Joshua Jackson was a legend. Wow. Uh, we grew up watching Mighty Ducks, right? So, and then a few might know from Dawson's Creek. And, you know, what a cool experience in between takes on one film. Um, we're chatting about the future next series of another TV series that he was starring in that's still to come. And he's like, be sure you don't want spoilers. And I was like, look, if I'm hearing it from you, what about an episode? I, I mean, you can't replicate these experiences in that type of lifestyle, but there's the stunts themselves, you know. The coolest thing about it is you get, you're the closest to actually reliving that moment that many people watch on screen as movie magic. That is just awesome. Whether it's a war scene, you set on fire, and anything else that goes, it, uh, it truly was a cool career um, amazing right which then transitioned into financial services right yes that's that's quite a huge u-turn how, how did yeah. that happen it's it's interesting I get a quick ask that question a lot because you know in in financial services in in my first three years in this industry from fresh right I, my actual first let's inverted commas a corporate world, my introduction to that, here I am three years uh, in and uh, getting awarded a title of top advisor in the country, you know, a, a prestigious award that very few spend their entire careers getting and then you do it again and you hold these, you, you, you kind of rack in all of these accolades, etc. And to me as a youngster, without that innate you know, background, history, understanding. The truth is I found myself in financial services, right? And and how, you know, I get asked that question a lot simply because over the years to replicate in a sales-driven industry, uh, success in the relationships, the intricacies of building a practice around people and finance, the, there's always the, the seeking or the yearning for what is the secret, right? So I get asked that question a lot. Why, how, what, where? And the simple answer is, yes, I found myself in, in, in the industry. I, uh, I made a commitment to change careers, um, change my lifestyle. I had this image of what type of life I wanted to live and how I wanted to design it on my own terms. I just didn't know specifically how. And first corporate experience, one imagines you need to get a job, 2013. And, and I mean, for a long time, even till today, it's hard to find employment. Here I got a 20-page stunt CV, uh, live performances, shows internationally. It counts for nothing in the corporate world, right? But insurance companies are always hiring. <laughs> yes. And, and I, I had no idea. You know, I just thought, thought, okay, what is this position, financial advisor? Long story short, I actually turned the job down because what is commission? Who, I mean, surely if I want security of an income coming from a different industry, that would be a basic salary. And you and I both know that isn't the case, or at least at the time that uh, I joined the industry. Yeah. And uh, jobs are still hard to find. So I never innately just reverted back to a, a daily principle of mine is, okay, what, if there's an opportunity, take it. Uh, what can you uh, how can you apply yourself and what can you learn from it, right? That can benefit you. And mm -hmm. you can always change your mind at some point, right? Life isn't finite. You're never stuck with handcuffs in, in your life. Uh, when it comes to anything, you always have a choice. And so I, I came in very positive. And actually, as I got involved, you know, the, 
exams, the theory, all the stuff you have to learn about legislation, financial products, let alone starting to build up your business right in this industry. Um, I always reverted back to if I can apply myself to learn everything as best as I can for myself, then I, worst case scenario, walk away knowing exactly how to manage money. And that's where the journey... That's a very, very interesting indeed. What I'm picking up from what you've told me thus far from the film industry to financial advisors, quite diverse, is that you have a very strong mindset to say, if I'm going to be doing this, I'm going to make sure that I'm the best at this. Um, am I correct in that assumption? I mean, absolutely, right? And, and the best is a relative word. You know, when you come into the financial advice sales-driven industry, there's a lot of competition, mm -hmm. right? And how do I have always viewed competition? You know, before stunts, I, I was a free runner. That's where it all started. That's what pulled me into the film industry. And a group of myself and a, and a few friends were really, you know, you want to call it the founders of the sport in this country. Uh, what was it all about? Free running, parkour, the art of movement was pretty much the only sport that you compete solely against yourself. So this was my philosophy in life, movement, everything I did as an athlete. You, you Coming into this industry that's highly competitive, a lot of people would bump my, you know, elbow me on the side in the office and go, hey, look at you on the board. I'm coming for, for you. And I, I used to be confused because I was like, that's okay. It doesn't affect my life. Um, but cool. You know, I'm also learning what uh, <laughs> office, uh, office relationships are like. And, but, but I always felt like an outsider in that space in the sense that I never really aimed to compete against anyone besides, you know, these philosophies that I live by and mm -hmm. what, how that's translating in my life. And obviously the, the clients that you, you work with, you are attached to their lives. I mean, there isn't like, what is the connection between your individual sales practice and a friend? Perhaps maybe I can help, right? Assist, motivate fellow colleagues, but to compete never really made sense. But again, I was surrounded by it and it is what it was, you know. So to be the best is, is an internal thing. You did hit the nail on the head. Very good. I've got good judgment. <laughs> so moving along, in, in a sense, uh, you spoke about relationships. And I think uh, in terms of being a businessman, a husband, a father, uh, being a friend, a son, Relationships are a very important part of establishing uh, a good business as well, uh, and as well as well as in terms of setting up your business as a financial advisor, and now, um, and and now uh, setting up money uh, talks with uh, Nabil Khan as well. What are the top three things? that you've learned about building relationships that you'd like to share with people and you feel that that will make a difference if they're trying to set up a business. So just be successful in life with managing people and relating with people. Well, that's, that's a loaded question. You know, you say top three things. I'm just going to see if I can make three things the ultimate <laughs> statement around that, right? Uh, relationships are everything, right? You can take it psychologically from our very first, which is our primary circle, our, uh, our parents, right? Then we moved along in the years. If you reflect on your life and spend time, I'm a very reflective person. I really think about a lot of things, situations. So self-awareness has been a study all my life. And when you understand who you are, 
you also understand the people that uh, you get along with and you can also understand the nature of relationships of how you can be of value and there's this, always this exchange of value um how old is it is there's this invisible ledger right um plus one minus one that's happening behind the scenes in every interaction and uh, you know it's it's been pointed in a book that i may write at some point in the future but nothing imminent but the concept is quite simple and it's applied and worked for me always right is if you imagine this invisible ledger and every day as you go along doing your business interacting with people uh, directly or indirectly you technically have a relationship with everyone within that environment right and if you 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 can and if you apply yourself to be aware of everyone within that environment whether it's a smile a compliment um uh, or just completely ignoring someone as you walk by them in their own space case in point your business person going to do business in a company right uh, this is actual story and uh, i used to go in as a financial advisor uh, go see an executive on the third floor but who are you interacting with along your journey right you're going to go into the parking lot there's a security guard that's actual human being right irrespective of the agenda of your day there's a human being you're going to interact with maybe you make eye contact maybe you don't right but if you just take some time to say something engage with another human being make their day better what does it do that person feels great but more importantly it affects you and who you are more than you may realize right to those moments of presence and interaction in relationships and it might not culminate in anything but it's interaction with another human being so you have to you know so so in terms of the ledger remember that guy he's got a plus one because he's like i don't know this person he doesn't know me but he seems like a nice guy plus one it's in his book right mm-hmm. uh, you end up going there security guard at the entrance signing in the book you know this is pre covid time and uh, you end up going up the floor there's the janitor somebody cleaning you end up going to the actual office the company the the receptionist hi who are you here to see you know it's so easy to be distracted around uh, by by your phone or the things to do and 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 the agendas that are at play that you know in these meaningful relationships then walking having a waiting room somebody coming to ask you tea coffee water you know having a little bit of engagement there walking through this open plan office space heading to the far office on the left which is the executive space and uh, seeing your meeting but along the way you bump into someone somebody's looking at you somebody makes eye contact all of these little things and you know i used to visit that office block quite often executives the other executive and friends you know back when i was really operating the financial advice practice and um one day a group of people come and walk up to me random people in the workplace yes. right obviously employees there and ask excuse me i'm like yes what what's happening i always have time right because i plan <laughs> for time ahead so i'm i'm there 10 minutes early anyway so i have time for these things because i enjoy it um comes up to me and has this conversation who are you what do you do like quite quite like okay i really need to know and i'm confused <laughs> i'm not like i'm the bill <laughs> who are you you know and uh, and it came down to a conversation where i asked why why are you coming to me and and asking me these things they say well um you're a guy that's dressed in a three piece suit walking around the place you 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 look great but every time you come past you know i I, you, I, you smile at me. I smile at you. You know, you, we've said hi a few times. I'm like, I'm very well aware of that. Um, 
and a bunch of us were talking because somebody was like, uh, somebody of the, of the new people um, said, check this out in the suit, right? Walking past. And then everybody else, like they found it interesting that the, the people that I engaged with across were like, no, that's, that guy, he seems like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was happening? Through your engagements, you're making plus ones or minus ones in, in, in the engagements around you. And, you know, to what end? I'll tell you that business of everyone saying, oh, what do you do? Financial planner, you know, what can we do business? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, brought me over 150,000 rand in income into the practice that I never planned for. Yes. And, and, and apply this concept worldwide. Your, your, your wife, your closest relationships, your partner, your spouse, how well do you understand them as a human being? What's the exchange of value? Are you presently engaging all the time? The, the relation, relationships aren't just for business, you know. And, and I can go very deep on this topic, but I think in that essence, someone can take something away uh, about being more human in your interaction, which translates as a relationship wherever you're going, not just specifically business. So just make the time to be nice, greet people, listen to them, how was the day, et cetera, et cetera. But having said that, from being the nice guy, there must have been a client that really was difficult to deal with. I mean, how do you overcome dealing with a difficult client? Remember to be aware, right? What is the role of you in the business? What is the service at hand? Are there agreements in place? What was the expectation of uh, of the exchange of value. If these things are understood in place, then where can a dispute arise? Many places, to be honest. And sometimes when it comes down to it, you know, a lot of people tend to go defensive, right? I'm the type of personality that likes to understand and, and climb into the problem. Have I been wrong before? 100%. I mean, the handful of times, if any, uh, uh, that I can count on one hand that I've ever had a bad kind of engagement traditionally understood in with, with a client it was never a fault game right because when you're dealing with money you also have to understand that expectations are everything right and this was in my early days uh, with a sharia fund right so when you come into the industry you don't actually learn how to be a financial advisor you learn how to sell you learn about products you learn about legislation and even till today, the best fund managers in the world don't know what the market's going to do. But here you are, you've got a young Muslim advisor uh, who's told, <laughs> funny enough, by a non-Muslim training team that we have a solution for Muslim clients and it's called a Sharia fund. See, it's called Sharia. <laughs> <laughs> you happily go around going, well, there's a Sharia product. How many of them do we have? Well, only one. Okay. Um, so Muslim person comes along, says, hey, I want a Sharia fund. Strictly Sharia. I'm like, okay. You know, these were preliminary days before my my deeper understanding of, of the economy, how it works, banking systems, Islamic finance, etc., etc. And uh, you plug and play Sharia funds, right? Mm-hmm. Come, come 2015, when you, you had that uh, crisis, you know, um, Saudi and, uh, and the US and that whole entire oil vibe, oil prices tank. And uh, Sharia fund managers were heavily weighted in oil. Boom, oil price for the first time in like mad years, tanks affecting all Sharia funds. Now you get angry phone calls, right? Uh, I say it as a thing to, to, to put emphasis, but to be honest, expectations, etc. like I said, um, 
there were probably two engagements over the last seven years um, where someone just who liked the idea of investing starts saying, but what about Alan Gray and my Sharia fund? What kind of an advisor are you? And people get, get you know, when it's money, who knows, personalities show and, uh, and, 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 and issues come up. I've always dealt with it from my own perspective, right? I go, okay, let's break it down. And openly and honestly, what has happened? Let me come back to you. Let's understand what has happened. And innately, what's the purpose of an investment fund, right? There's always uh, an, a strategy behind an investment, right? So if the market tanks, clearly this money was in a longer term strategic fund, not a safety fund, um, for emergencies where somebody decided to vent because uh, markets went down. Also a very young client that, that at the same time was, we can say, was growing with. And it's quite simple. You have a conversation, you make sure that it's productive, it's understood, you get clear, and uh, you bring back the strategy, the game plan, and it's it's logic from there, downhill. And what you realize, Riaz, is, is you know, people and emotions, people react, we are all... Uh, all human beings' behavior, when you understand it, uh, you get different default operations of, of response in behavior when in times of frustration, anger, um, surprise moments, etc. So it's just a matter of understanding and, of course, uh, managing those expectations. Very important indeed. Very important point. Um, now, you, of course, a person that loves taking risk, as we heard earlier, you're from the film industry to a financial advisor, and you're absolutely passionate about this. Now, one, one of the instruments, let's call it as that, that's come onto the financial markets and disrupted everything has to be Bitcoin. Um, what are your thoughts on Bitcoin? <laughs> you know, Riaz, risk taker, as it's been established, it couldn't be further from the truth, right? Risk is subjective. And to me, I view myself as quite a cautious person, right? Okay. <laughs> what determines risk? Uh, it's, it's the level of planning and your understanding of your situation, right? Of course. So, so, so take, take it all uh, into consideration. Um, when I transitioned from financial planning traditionally to try to change the entire industry, it was thought through, prepared upon, understood, and I was always learning and, and, and vetting my thoughts to what I believe is correct and, and look where we are today. Come to something like Bitcoin. Uh, let's, let's start here. Bitcoin is not a new concept. A lot of people know a lot about a lot, right? Whether <laughs> it's relevant or valuable to them, this is where it's, it, it gets a bit interesting, right? But I, I found myself understanding Bitcoin very early on. There was a guy in the office that was trading Bitcoin uh, when I joined the industry in 2014, 2015, right? Yes. And we had a handshake bet. Uh, well, not a bet. We had a handshake agreement where I said, I don't know how these platforms work, but you know what? Put 10,000 Rand for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, 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 you know, at the same time, Riaz, um, when I actively got involved in that, uh, was around 2016, I believe it was, right? When the hype started to talk, I was like, okay, this is becoming a mainstream conversation. Uh, within the insurance industry, everybody's saying this is not legal advice and nobody can give advice on Bitcoin. I looked at it from my client's perspective as always and said, look, somebody's going to ask me sooner rather than later, right? So how about, yes, it may not constitute advice, but I start understanding for myself. 
So here I go 2016 and I buy 20, 25,000 Rand worth of Bitcoin. <laughs> and uh, the things start shooting up, right? So I'm in some mad profit. Um, I remember specifically, now you'll know about how I see risk. I pull out my 25,000, but I still have 50,000 Rand in. So I am no skin in the game, right? And yes. then I play, participate in platforms, forums, WhatsApp groups, and just understand what's happening in the community, try to contribute where I can. And I start really trying to study Bitcoin, the blockchain, what's going down. But as always, practically, as I'm understanding it, is how do I use it? What's its purpose? How does it affect my life and my finances relative to the goals, visions, and dreams that I'm planning towards in terms of my life, the milestones that cost money, and this word that's thrown around financial freedom. And so I act and I do what I do. Questions come up, as honest as always. This is what I've done. This is what I see. This is how I understand it, Mr. and Mr. Client. And so not constituting advice, is that worth the risk for you? Because your friend said a cool story. And you know, a lot of people made uh, money on Bitcoin um, through that year. And a, a lot more people lost money. But guess what makes it to the news? I remember on radio, you get the success stories, inspirations, which is fine, which is fine. Um, but what do people do after that, right? When it comes to managing money, understanding the game they're playing long term is really and truly the be all and end all. So let's continue down Bitcoin, right? Really to understand Bitcoin, like Bitcoin in its, is it going to be relevant? And you're welcome to ask these questions to me directly as we go along, Riaz. Yeah, of course. But essentially the most exciting thing is the blockchain, right? That technology, which is, and, and, and people can figure this out fairly easily. So I'm not going to spend too much time. It's, uh, a decentralized massive database globally based on the internet and little service, et cetera, that uh, is, it's, it's its own thing. That's what decentralized is. It's secure and it's just free space to store data that cannot be hacked apparently, right? So how amazing is that? That is the magic behind everything. Bitcoin is just a currency within the blockchain it, it operates on the on the system if you think of it as a platform and you've got things like ethereum as, as the platform holder then the currency being bitcoin really and truly we now see it spike again massively i think bitcoin is already at 780 000 right now <laughs> for for one bitcoin and we you know we saw it come up everybody said it was a bubble it popped i spent two i one and a half hours uh, with a Bitcoin enthusiast who literally wrote um, the module for a leading American university on my channel where he goes into the deep history of Bitcoin, etc. And we go down this route. Now, what was his name? Uh, say that again. His name I, is Irshad, Irshad Padia. Okay. Yes. Very okay. cool guy, friend of mine, and I'll pass pass him on to 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 get on the platform, right? Because he he's a great storyteller and he's deeply interested as an enthusiast when it comes to Bitcoin, right? Yes. Now this blockchain technology has a huge potential to disrupt and create infrastructure based on trust, right? This is another thing why blockchain technology, the blockchain excites me, right? It's a community thing. Everyone can fall into categories and ultimately platforms in their space using blockchain technology, 
right? So when it comes to Bitcoin, very interesting how and where the, the listeners are, are, are trying to receive information from. As an investment perspective, yeah, you can make money. What, what would likely happen in adoption of this currency that uh, will have its finite last Bitcoin mined in 2140? Uh, in adoption, I don't think it's going away. It's, uh, in my opinion, it's here, here to stay. But you might see another wave, another downturn. And as you go along, it'll pick up again and drop again. But the whole point, if you, if you realize it, Bitcoin's understood largely by the believers in the long-term uh, viewpoint of it as replacing traditional fiat currency, right? Mm -hmm. If I myself have never bought bitcoin in my life uh would you advise me to do so in obviously this is not going to be proper advice in terms of financial <laughs> advice but just would you advise someone like me who's never bought bitcoin to invest in this well considering your 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 question and i i deeply understand where it's coming from and the, the type of audience member that is listening right the answer is yes if you want to simple as that because the reality is you've got a technology, a, a currency that's at play. You can stand to make money with it. Simple as that. Return on investment is becoming more mainstream. The whole concept of a bubble, hey, that just got disproved. We're not seeing those people online anymore shouting from the hills anymore, you know. And if you really look at it, the state of the economy, what COVID did to the world, where is the return? Right, And you're starting to see institutions starting to invest in Bitcoin. And essentially, if you want to ride that wave for a bit, what is the golden thread when it comes to investing is the term asset allocation. And welcome to digital assets. So if you want to and you have an asset allocation strategy and you have this money for a long-term purpose that you don't mind anything going wrong with it, why not add that diversification to your portfolio? This is the reality, right? We, we've shifted already fundamentally, and I think the world needs to catch up. Our societies need to catch up from this traditional thinking, right? Because when it comes to a plan with money, Riaz, it's not always only about investing. It's about how well you're planning to be, make it all sustainable. What is financial security? Financial security is money coming in that can cover your basic security needs, right? What are security needs? Roof over your head, insurance, food on the table, transport, utilities, water, lights, etc. If you can cover those bills with a pool of money without needing to work, you're financially secure. Independence, add a few things, golf, uh, lunch out with the boys and, and girls and enjoying an independent lifestyle. That's an income need per month. So if you've got enough money coming in to replace that income need, you're financially independent and financial freedom is doing whatever you like without needing to work for that money because it's coming in. Now, if you're working towards that, you want to take as many opportunities as you can, right? With as little risk as you can to guarantee the goal. It's always about the outcome. Everyone in between, hearsay, speculation, trading, blah, 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 multiple uses, to capitalize on opportunities. But if you don't have a game plan, think about lottery winners. You can win big and you will not, you come out the other side uh, sad. Let's put it to you that way. <laughs> so when somebody asks me that question, if they can understand what they're doing, because the easy answers to those, I can hit you with one line as Riaz, invest in what you understand. It's very profound, isn't it? But in reality, like what 
<laughs> What's more important is a discussion that needs to be had before you you buy into another motivational quote, right? Yeah, <laughs> the same of course. That, that you can relate with, and so you know, Bitcoin's not a bad thing, right? It's it's and if it's used as a transaction, I imagine the world something a lot of people don't understand, um, and and very few people discuss is the very fact that if you imagine this decentralized world with a currency that can literally replace governments. And, and banking systems and eliminate the fees in transaction. That's the benefit of decentralization. Tell me, is, isn't it naive to expect that your governments are not going to push back because it's not good for them? You're giving the power in a free-based free world Certainly. purely through the internet. What's going to happen? And then if you understand these two things, common sense, right? If, if Bitcoin is the future or not, right? The reality is, if you understand human behavior and traditional centralized societies, then you can understand it all, right? That one argument from a Bitcoin enthusiast, and I wouldn't say argument, it's a discussion, uh, is, you know, you, you can eliminate all of these transaction fees in the process. You know, Riaz wants to sell me his home and uh, that transaction can happen instantly and the transaction fees will be reduced to zero, like let it, let alone declaring taxes, et cetera, et cetera. What a beautiful thing, a lot of people might say. However, in that world, you've got your entire net worth on a little digital wallet that's a series of numbers that has a password. And uh, if you lose it, there's no service center to phone to say, oh, I forgot my password. Please, can you help me? Right. And, and, oh, and imagine okay. that world. Human behavior will tell you that at some point, sooner rather than later, Bitcoin becomes a thing. There'll be crypto banks that will charge your transaction fee to protect your money from your own self. self. Yeah. And isn't that the same system we live in? Maybe better, maybe more advanced, but it's technically the same. You know, there's that version of the future. So to start thinking broadly about it right now, if you think about it, the real value in, in, in Bitcoin right now is in the speculation trading of it, right? I'm going to buy it, I'm going to sell, I'm going to get rich. That's the simple, most common reason why people ask that question. And here's the fun part, Riaz. I'm going to throw something in that I doubt any of your followers would have ever heard of. Have you, do you know what uh, NFT is? NFT? No, I don't. Yeah. And a uh, non-fungible token. Okay. So if I were to, you know, this is a podcast. So I want everybody to switch on their right brains and get a bit creative with me here. If I draw a square in, in the world, right, uh, on this piece of paper, I just draw a cross, line, line down, y-axis, x-axis. And now we've got four quadrants to play in. And we label the one fungible and the other one non-fungible. And then we, we say tangible on the top and digital on the other, if we look at the top left quadrant, you're looking at tangible, fungible assets. What are those? So a fungible, tangible asset is like money, right? Money um, is tangible. If, if you give me a hundred rand, right? And it's fungible, meaning its value is kind of secured in its form, even though its form may change. So you give me a hundred rand, I give you 250 rands, it's much of a muchness, we're all happy, right? Because it's fungible. You look at the other side of the, 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 right, the right quadrant, so a fungible digital asset, not a tangible asset, a digital one, you're now looking at Bitcoin, Ethereum, cryptocurrencies, because they'll work just like money. 
So <laughs> I, I give you a point of a Bitcoin and you give me the equivalent worth of Ethereum. I mean, these are fungible digital currencies, digital assets. You start going below the line to the word non-fungible. We said NFT is non-fungible token. The bottom left quadrant, a tangible non-fungible uh, is art, a house, because your house is not the same as my house in value, even though it's defined as a house. It's non-fungible. Uh, art, not one piece of art holds the same value as another piece of art. It is non-fungible, right? Baseball cards. We've got kids in the community trading sneakers, right? It's happening right now. <laughs> You're getting a Nike sneaker, but it's not the same. This one is 45,000 Rand when the normal Nike sneaker at the store <laughs> is 1,000 Rand, or actually, I, I wish there were 1,000 Rand. Uh, 2,000 right? <laughs> Non-fungible. Non now let's look at the digital space, the bottom right quadrant, which is a non-fungible digital asset. What the hell that is, Riaz, is an NFT. And this is the new space that's coming out because you got to, it operates on a block, blockchain platform and you're seeing creation of these platforms where take, for example, digital art, right? It's being sold for millions of dollars, but it's a digital image. Why? Because uh, it's what happens is you create a non-fungible token, attach it to digital art and you start creating scarcity. You start creating finite amounts of it, authenticity, the ability on a blockchain to trace transactions that create that. You can adopt royalty models for artists and creators that create a piece of art. I was looking at it and playing around with today on a platform where you've got a digital artist that says there are only a thousand of these little images that I'm willing to sell and starting at $999 and people are buying those, a thousand of them. So the artist get, becomes an instant dollar millionaire in five or seven minutes when they release this stuff. And then it starts trading on the secondhand market, but because it's on the blockchain and you can finitely capture the essence of who owns that piece of creative, <laughs> the artist earns in the secondhand market every time something's traded. How insane is that? Because in a tangible insane. art space, the artist, let's say Da Vinci, maybe sold his painting for like $500 equivalent, maybe a lot of money back then, but not close to the hundreds of millions of dollars that are sold today. That IP is no longer theirs. It resides with the owner in the secondhand market. So you're starting to see the possibility of an entire market, photographers, <laughs> digital creatives, artists that can now attach IP value. And this space is so new that uh, the world is endless. And if you realize it, whether it's Bitcoin or however, if you're not paying attention to the digital world, <laughs> soon you're going to be like our parents who don't never like technology and you're one of those people. You'll be living in a world realizing that we are already in a digital world and that whole world is online, right? So asset, a non-fungible digital asset. Think about the possibilities. Think about the potential for brands, um, how, how, how value is uh, seen, how it affects IP law, copyright law, and, and all of it. This is the new world, Riaz. As I'm speaking, people are making millions on NFTs, creating art, putting a, a, an attachment to it, creating a token digitally and selling it um, in the scarce manner. And the reality of this world is who knows where it's going in the future. And that same piece of art that you bought at $1,000 that you can resell today at $3,000, $5,000, $17,000, just based on demand, right, and limited supply, the reality is if you hold a short-term game, you're trading. 
similar to the Bitcoin, right? And in a long-term view, maybe you have this potential with the strategy, if you understand your personal financial security, independence, and freedom, maybe it'll pay off in the long run and you create this legacy amount of wealth, but the other side of the coin is maybe it goes to zero. Who knows, right? Because what is digital art? Nobody really wants to buy it. It's a great price tag, but is someone yeah. going to buy it? It's worth nothing to you. And how, I mean, I'm just amazed. I'm, I'm by no means an expert. This is literally new in the world, but it's where I'm spending time. And if you think about everything in my journey, how well do you be, do, do you understand the world you're living in to take opportunities to make decisions and ultimately control them and manage your money uh, to, to, to reach a certain goal in your life so that you can live it on your own terms. You can live a healthy, balanced, happy, spiritual life and appreciate family. Now, in order to do that, you've obviously come up with an interesting platform in a masterclass as well, and uh, it's called a Money Talks Masterclass. Uh, let's talk a bit about that, and uh, let's end off with that. Awesome, Andreas. Well, quite simply, you know, as I close the chapter on Financial Planner, yeah. and uh, launched the platform, we, we, we founded uh, Africa's first free money school. It's already yeah. out. It's there. My money talks to zero today, right? And we've got this entire platform for free financial education. As I close the chapter, what I realized is, and, and I planned this masterclass to be everything, right? It, it is an entire journey and experience. It's not just videos because what's in my head, and as I moved away from taking on clients, etc., technically then becomes useless unless I make another YouTube video or a little Instagram live clip. And I said, okay, why don't I create a journey in a masterclass, right? Fancy word that gets thrown around, but create everything that's in my head in a complete video, immersive experience. Uh, complete, when I say complete, I mean money is just a piece of the puzzle, right? But everything about managing money, which accounts to set up, uh, how to understand the game, how to play it, different methods, different uh, different leagues. And wherever you are, whoever you are, you can know more than most financial advisors out there. And when I say most, I mean pretty much everyone, right? And take that information in one course and understand it fundamentally while, not, while understanding it, putting it all into play. Uh, because there is also a workbook journal that I designed uh, that goes with it and a calculator, a freedom calculator that doesn't actually exist. Um, as you, you get it when you purchase the course and you learn how to use it throughout via the experiences through the course and your life. And it can fact check everyone's fees. It can tell you the exact date you're going to reach your financial security, independence, freedom. It's, it takes into account how if you pay off your bond uh, using certain principles, what you're doing, how that affects the time frame in which you reach your security, independence, and freedom. And the same with debt. And it's just all encompassing from cash flow to assets. And you just plug and play in a user-friendly calculator while you're going through this experience and understanding everything about the money game. The, the what is it, the financial industry traps designed around you, how to avoid sales trap. It teaches you skills. It teaches you philosophy, understanding in relation to your life. And there's a 145 question reflection exercise that's designed. I, it, this is the longest thing for me to design, uh, considering writing the entire production, 
filming the production, writing every single word of the workbook myself, creating this entire journey. Those 145 questions are based on how I understood philosophy, anthropology, sociology, and just my viewpoint on life. When you're asking reflective questions to yourself to get you to have a breakthrough and understand what you truly, who you are and what you truly want in life. Uh, and th this, this is where you'll see in the first couple of modules, that get you so centered in everything you're working towards for yourself and your family based on your beliefs and everything. So by the time you get to the money part of the masterclass, you're absolutely clear you're using um, working knowledge in an under to, to understand it and then apply it in your life. Uh, the, the, what is called is the ultimate guide to live your life on your own terms. Because you come out that you feel like in investing in Bitcoin, you'll know how, what, when, why, how, <laughs> when, and, and and how clear you are based on your decisions. Yeah. You, you kind of get on top of your risk and all of the other things. Uh, Nabil, it's been fantastic ch chatting to you right here and thinking out loud. Um, just how can people connect with you online and also check out your course? Well, Riaz, I told you I'm a human being, right? Uh, you can find me most active on Instagram. I go live on Monday evenings every week because it's nice to engage with an audience. But I personally also respond to every single message that comes through on all the platforms and I try to get to everyone. And that's the reality, right? If I have the time, I will engage with you. We are all human beings and we're all here. You know, everything about my money talks is, is to empower a nation to live their life on their own terms. And you know what, Riaz? That happens one person at a time. And it will absolutely happen uh, with the support of everybody. And uh, that's really it, right? Who's in the bill? Just a part of the puzzle, right? And if we can create this understanding and community, uh, then Alhamdulillah, it's going to be fun. Thank you so much for chatting to us right here, Nabil uh, Khan. And uh, we will definitely be um, sharing uh, Nabil's handle as well, if you'd like to uh, connect with him online. Thank you so much for chatting to us on Thinking Out Loud. It's an absolute pleasure, pleasure, Riaz. And I'm looking forward to doing this again, my friend. We'll talk about specific things, but thank you so much. I've learned a couple of things uh, from uh, the session today. Uh, of course, uh, understanding, building on relationships, uh, NFTs, and a lot more. You've got to listen to the full episode to find out more about this. Uh, thank you, Nabil Khan. Disclaimer, the information provided and discussed on this platform is not advice. Before making any financial decisions, it's important to discuss with a certified financial planner.